Hey guys, C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life doing another lecture for season 17. This is going to be episode 2 because who doesn't like episode 2, right? I mean, we did season 17, episode 1. It was super controversial because, like, I'm basically attempting to use all of cognition uh, to prove the existence of God, essentially, and further foment uh, my stance on intelligent design as uh, something that could potentially be uh, superior to the theory of evolution, for example. Not because I have some creationist point of view, but I also maintain that intelligence begets intelligence because nothing comes out of chaos. It's more of order is an external force that impacts chaos. It's that it's not order from chaos, it's order that comes upon chaos. And that's what we figure out from a um, yin and yang uh, equilibrium point of view. So, but yeah, I mean, enough of the, the metaphysics uh, relating to uh, Jungian analytical psychology. I know that uh, I've bothered uh, a significant amount of the audience uh, as a result of that. So uh, now you get to enjoy in my... Uh, dusk uh, filming uh, this evening as I make my very long journey home uh, tonight because I moved uh, two hours away from this place and uh, and that means, you know, more car lectures, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, yeah, also like the studio is being rebuilt. Uh, we're going to be playing with some new technologies very soon to uh, just make the uh, live streaming and the uh, video production experience better. So I just wanted to make you folks aware of that. Uh, we're, uh, we're learning and uh, we're spending uh, some of the money, actually all the money, uh, that uh, we've earned uh, with uh, CSJ to be able to bring you higher quality. So it's coming. And uh, by the way, if you haven't already become a Patreon subscriber, like what are you doing? Because guess what? We have, uh, I think we have the, uh, the sixth, and the seventh and the eighth golden pair around the corner, and the seventh golden pair is going to be the ENTP INTJ. The eighth golden pair is going to be ENFP INFJ, which you're definitely going to want uh, to uh, get involved uh, with those uh, golden pairs, if you know what I'm saying. If you want to get in on that romantic compatibility action, I highly recommend you become a Patreon a gold a gold tier subscriber, so you gain access to all of those private lectures. And we're just going to keep building on those private lectures. I think we're releasing one to two a month. I think right now we've been doing basically two a month. Uh, and we're going to keep that private content flowing indefinitely. So, like, as soon as you sign up, there could be, like, lectures from many months prior. And, uh, yeah, plenty of uh, content to gorge yourself on on top of all the other benefits of being a Patreon subscriber. So, please do yourself a favor and do us a favor because... It takes money to keep doing this, guys. Uh, We want to increase our quality for production for you. Uh, That includes video and sound. Uh, We want to be able to, uh, you know, make some some significant strides uh, with with what we're doing. And uh, that also includes potentially getting the uh, the mobile app out as well as our own test uh, deployed on the website. Uh, and we could do that, but it takes money to do that. So I'm sorry if I sound like a shill right now, but like, I'm sorry, uh, we really need uh, financial support in order to keep doing this content. I mean, I'm human, I have a day job, for example, and 
can't exactly, you know, like, I, I literally work 16 hour days here to produce this content for you folks. So anything that you can do to support us, I'd really appreciate it. So, but anyway, enough of the uh, shilling. Uh, let's actually get focused here on the content. So season 17, episode two, what is the ego and its gateway? So uh, many folks from the audience, this goes back to like last year, has been asking us, okay, hey, how or why, uh, where do the cognitive functions come from? How do they manifest? How do they grow and whatnot? What is the different four sides of the mind? How do we understand that theory a little bit more? So season, season 17 is designed to basically show you how a human being develops their cognitive functions, right? We're going to be talking about cognitive axis. We're going to talk about cognitive orbit. We're going to be talking about each of the individual four sides of the mind. We're also going to talk about a little bit, delving a little bit, or dabbing actually, not delving, dabbing a little bit into um, parenting. Um, we're talking about uh, parenting and child development a little bit. So tons of subjects that we're going to be tackling here in season 17. Although uh, for Patreon private lectures, we're actually going to go really, really deep uh, for parenting. Um, for those of you who are on gold tier, so that's going to uh, continue going uh, and whatnot, but yeah. So uh, this particular lecture, uh, we're basically looking at, okay, hey, you know, where, what is the, what is the, the, the first side of the mind, right? And this is going to sound a little bit weird, even though it's like primarily where we are in our mind, it's actually the side of the mind that's like talked about the least. Everyone is like always so interested in the superego or, or the magic of the subconscious or, uh, or the maturity of uh, the unconscious, etc. But not really anyone gives the ego itself like its credit. You know, let's give credit where it's due because, you know, and then you get like people like uh, Jason Louv, for example. My gosh, that guy triggers me. My gosh, Jason Louv. He's constantly preaching the death of the ego over and over and over. That guy, like, that guy, I I just, I don't know, like, I'd, I'd like to debate Jason Louvre, or at least, I don't know, have a conversation with the guy and basically inform him that his whole, like, oh, we need to kill the ego, the death of the ego. No, people don't actually understand the ego enough to actually be making judgments about it, like saying we need to kill the ego. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this whole, like new age hippie movement approach to spirituality and how, you know, they got their like, oh, well, the ego is the problem with humanity. No, it's not. It is not the problem to humanity, folks. Actually, that's the superfluous ego. That's the super ego. The superfluous ego is the problem with humanity. It is not the ego. So, People are like, well, the ego is the source of all of the human condition and it's the source of selfishness within the mankind, you know? And it's like, no, actually it's not. That's the superfluous ego. That's where that crap comes from. It's not actually the ego. So how about y'all stop paying attention to the ego and start paying attention to the superego when it comes to like the evil within mankind and the human condition? That would be nice. Like, how about we give credit where it is due? How about like we actually pay attention, uh, you know, to things because that's appropriate, right? Like that's that's really appropriate. That's what it means. You know what I'm saying? So 
if you're not willing to do that, like, well, I'm sorry, you probably should pull your belief system out of your head and throw it in the dumpster because it's wrong. Like, this whole Jason Louvre point of view, like, oh, you know, like, the ego is the problem. I, I'm sorry, folks, it's not the problem. Like, get it, like, figure it out, you know? Because the ego is actually a very good thing. The ego itself is the reason why we are conscious. It literally is consciousness, right? And being conscious is literally the key. Consciousness itself is order. It is order and it's the order that's being brought to chaos to subdue chaos and keep chaos in check, right? In the same way human beings, according to uh, Jewish lore, for example, were told by God or the Creator to subdue the earth, you know, and rule over it, basically. And the earth is, is representative of nature and nature itself is representative of the yin. And yin is representative of chaos. Ergo, nature equals chaos. The earth equals chaos, right? Logically speaking. So based on that equivalency, we know for a fact that, you know, we, we just know, um, based on that uh, equivalency, you know, it's like, okay, well, how do we, uh, how do we figure that out, right? Well. We figure it out in different ways. Why is that? Why is that relevant? Like, why? Why is that a thing? Right. Well, it's a thing for a lot of reasons. Uh, I don't even know if you guys can see this whiteboard. I hope you can. But uh, it's just a few bullet points tonight. But I mean, I'm going to be delving into the consciousness here. But like, to be conscious, right? It is order. Now, like I said, you know, if if evolution is true, right? If evolution is 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 a fact, well then that means that our psyches would have to be developing, uh, um, you know, out of order. And they're not. They're not developing out of order. There's always a logical order or pattern to it. Now, that being said, people can argue that throughout ancient times, you know, well, maybe, like, human beings, with how their brains were, didn't always have their cognitive functions. Maybe they only had some cognitive functions, not all of them. Or maybe some of their cognitive functions are underdeveloped. I've looked into theories like that, but as soon as we get to, like, recorded history, you know, or at least, uh, you know, areas, uh, or at least areas concerning oral tradition before recorded history, we still can easily identify cognitive functions using cognitive access analysis, and they can get eight, all eight cognitive functions through cognitive access analysis with basically anyone, even in prehistory oral tradition. It's especially true if you look at the uh, the world's first religion, also known as the Mystery Babylon religion. That particular religion, that particular belief system, uh, which was the story of Nimrod, etc., uh, and and his resurrection, etc., and that's exactly what the uh, the Egyptian pantheon is completely based upon. The story of Osiris and Horus, his son, basically. And, you know, Osiris being Nimrod and then Nimrod reborn as, as Horus, etc. It's the entire, it's the entire same story. But like the mystery Babylon religion has been, has been passed down through occultic lore, occultic teaching since like, since the beginning, basically. And that religion still exists to this day. Uh, and it's, and, it, and it's actually given birth to many other spiritual belief systems. Why is this relevant? Because when Carl Jung 
initially uh, went through uh, the creation of Jungian analytical psychology, he laid down the cognitive senses, the, the zero, basically, you know, because you need zero to actually make algebra, like, actually work. You have to have a concept of zero in order for algebra to work. His zero that made Jungian analytical psychology actually possible was the cognitive sense or cognitive function, because he called it cognitive senses, but we call it cognitive functions nowadays, probably because of Myers-Briggs or because of socionics. I'm not entirely sure on that. But according to Jung, they were cognitive senses. And the first cognitive sense that he did is what, you, you know, what, what people typically would call a sixth sense, and that was extroverted intuition, also known as the collective unconscious, right? And without the collective unconscious, this absolutely doesn't mean anything. And the concept of the collective unconscious is basically like through symbology, through tropes, look up tropes, tvtropes.org, look up tropes, like understand that Daenerys Targaryen is a Mary Sue and I don't care what you say. Understand that the INFP known as, uh, uh, as played by Kit Harrington, uh, uh, you know, Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, because like Game of Thrones is like a thing right now because it's like the final season. If you, ever, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, like what are you doing? Stop living under a rock and do yourself a favor and watch all of Game of Thrones, like seriously. Uh, yeah, they should, like, pay me for, like, marketing that stuff for them. You know what I'm saying? But, like, seriously, don't live under a rock. Um, but, you know, like, Jon Snow, like, he's a Gary's dude. Like, tropes are important. And, and tropes, in my opinion, are the absolute best archive or example that we have in, in record, in archive, of extroverted intuition. Because it's a collection of all available human symbology. Because every story out there contains symbolic meanings, symbolic figures, and various tropes or archetypes of characters involved in the story. And that's how extroverted intuition works. That's literally how it works, folks. Literally how it works, right? So, based on that, it was the cognitive sense... And because Carl Jung detected that, even though that there's cultures on this planet that had absolute zero contact with each other, like the Egyptians, they built the pyramids. Guess what? The Maya, they built their pyramids too around the same time, right? Well, I'm sure someone's going to fact check that. Please do. I really appreciate that. But, and I don't know if that's the best example to use. But the point is, is that certain cultures were arriving to the same ideas, even though they never had contact with each other. Which means that there's this latent symbology, this shared symbology, this shared belief system where the consciousness of all mankind is connected together in one place. A lot of people in certain belief systems call this the Akashic Records, right? Well, anything Akashic, A-K-S-H-I-C or a K or whatever, anything Akashic is actually extrovert intuition. It's like this grand ultimate form of human cognition, like this pool, this ocean of human cognition, but it's also reminiscent of chaos, right? So based on that, the collective unconscious is where it's basically the entire collective psyche of man or humanity all in one place from which we can draw from, and it has all this collective knowledge in it. This is why expert intuitive heroes like myself are able to have this insanely good pattern recognition such that we're able to extract ideas out of the ether, expert intuition, 
the Akashic records, etc. And then, and then apply that metaphysical concept, those metaphysical concepts, those metaphysical tropes and symbols directly into the conscious realm, into reality. And we're literally transmuting the metaphysical into reality itself, right? Of course, now cue up the hippies and the new agers talking about the pineal glands. And if you don't know who Scott Jeffrey is, check out his website. He's pretty cool with his explanations about the pineal gland. Or you could probably buy uh, Mark Booth's book, The Secret Ancient Hi- or the, the Secret The Secret History of the World, which has basically a, a primer uh, collection of like all of the occultic lore out there. And no, like before you start labeling me things, I'm not an occultist. I could care less about that. Uh, I'm only stating it as a reference point because like I've read it and I studied the Mystery of Babylon religion. I studied uh, occultism. I studied New Age religion. I've studied basically every religion on this planet, even Islam, at length, uh, and and also Mormonism. I've also studied at length, who were actually both those belief systems were founded by ENFPs. Just so you guys know, um, the Prophet Muhammad and Joseph Smith were ENFPs. So, like, consider that for a second. Um, so. Whereas, you know, Christianity was, was founded upon uh, uh, an INFJ known as Jesus, right? Well, his teachings, although it wasn't necessarily started by Jesus, it was completed by Jesus. It was actually started by John the Baptist, who was, I maintain, is likely an ENTP. I'm not entirely sure. He may have been an ENFP, um, but uh, I don't think he was an ENFP. Um because it kind of seemed like he was covert contracting Jesus when he was like jailed and then executed when uh, Herodias demanded his head on a platter basically from King Herod. That's another story and also like a really weird situation uh, in, the, in the history, um, in history, but whatever. Um, I'm kind of glad like we're not as barbaric nowadays. Well, that's kind of subjective too, because some people can argue that we still are, and that's fair. I, I I'll accept that. Like that's fine. But anyway, uh, so based on that, I'm gonna turn these off for a moment, actually. Um, so actually, no, you can't see me. So I'm gonna turn those back on. Whatever. Uh, so yeah. Like it's kind of weird. I don't know if you guys can like actually like see my suit or whatever. It's a nice suit. Uh, I got it tailored recently. Um, so I've been uh, doing a lot of stuff for my day job, so trying to, you know, look good for customers and make them happy. So, um, but anyway, so consciousness, right? So extroverted intuitives or, you know, the metaphysics, we're able to transmute metaphysics into basically physics, right? We could take potential future possibilities. We can cast vision for fellow, for NI users, basically. And by casting vision for NI users, the NI users are able to take the metaphysics we provide them and turn them into physics with their extroverted sensing. And that returns it back to us and then it becomes memories. And those become stored as memories for ourselves. And then it goes back into expert intuition again, where expert intuition is the collective memory of all of man. It's like having a genetic memory almost, except it's like stored in this metaphysical chaotic realm known as the collective unconscious, right? And, you know, like genetic memory from Assassin's Creed, etc. You know what I'm saying? But expert intuitive types are able to actually tap into that knowledge, right? And that's the whole point behind the collective unconscious. That is the zero 
that uh, the cognitive sense that Jung had discovered that actually made this entire science possible. Because without expert intuition, without the collective unconscious, we wouldn't even be able to have this conversation right now. So we basically owe it to Carl Jung's discovery of the collective unconscious and extrovert intuition. They're the same thing. Um, now, I get there's a lot of naysayers right now that are shaking their heads as they're listening to this because they're like hardcore Jungians, but I'm sorry guys, like even Jung didn't have everything right. Like he's the father of analytical psychology and modern and, and depth psychology, and I get that. And he's got like, and he discovered the eight cognitive senses and that's amazing, but I'm sorry, he didn't have everything right. And it's not because he made errors. It's not about that. It's because he died. He didn't have enough time to really finish out his life's work because this work really is going to take lifetime upon lifetime upon lifetime to complete. I may be like probably the world's foremost expert on this material, but even I recognize that while I'm bringing the science to like, you know, the mainstream and, and making people aware of it and teaching on it, you know, in ways that no one has considered before, it's 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 such a huge unknown that it's really going to take lifetimes and outside even beyond me to really develop the science even though technically with what information i've already provided in the 200 plus uh, videos that i have on this youtube channel for example that's enough information already for anyone to effectively build sentient ai gotta love those windshield wipers creaking freaking like they are you know what i'm saying but sentient AI is possible as a result of this knowledge. It's possible as a result of the work that Carl Jung uh, did over a hundred years ago, right? So just just be aware of that. Like it's it's a it's a lot more profound than people realize. Why is this relevant? It's relevant because again, order to chaos. If chaos is ultimately the expert or the expert intuition, then order is basically you know, the physics, the extroverted sensing realm as supported by introverted intuition, extroverted intuition, and then the chaos, which is supported by, you know, which SE could also, it has chaotic elements to it as well. But again, it's the introverted functions that matter. Introverted sensing, which is the firm, which is the earth, it represents the earth, whereas um, extroverted sensing represents wind and introverted intuition represents fire. So you have fire and earth basically, you know, which, are, which is burning, you know, all-consuming or all-enveloping with, with, with the firm and, and the land, etc. But again, it doesn't mean much if you don't have the, the chaos of water with expert intuition or if you have the wind, you know, to move upon the earth, etc. through expert sensing, right? These are the four elements attached to the cognitive functions, right? So even though... It may seem that while we are conscious with our egos, it's not about like being super mega firm with our egos. Our egos are basically yin and yang equilibriums in their own right, containing firm and pliable parts with each of these cognitive functions. Because the wind, wind is pliable, so also is expert intuition, you know. But then you have, you know, you have fire, which doesn't last long but it burns real quick right and it's just situations like that you have to be aware of introverted sensing is pretty firm as well right so 
And, you know, fire, it's like, well, how is fire firm? Well, it is because the ashes it leaves behind, they're still firm. It's still particles. It's still actually, like, it's still, like, you know, it, it's still, like, firm in that way, you know? And, yes, it doesn't last for very long, but, you know, the heat is there. See what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's always something, like, left behind, right? You know, whereas, like, you can't destroy water. You can't destroy expert intuition. That's why the the first law, or like, you know, the law of time goes according to expert intuition, and that's all that has happened before will happen again. It's cyclical because you can't destroy it, which basically means you can't really destroy the human experience. You can't destroy the human soul. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. This is why I maintain that things like reincarnation may actually be, like, legitimate, you know, of course, reincarnation may not be like what people think it is. You know, uh, there's a lot of different ways. Is it? Does that mean like a human being can come, you know, come back, you know, to the earth and do another lifetime? You know, do I think it's possible? Yeah, sure. I definitely think. I mean, there's even some evidence supporting that that's actually the case. Uh, you know, or or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe people are coming back to you know to live another life, maybe as a different type, so that they can experience the entire human experience. Or maybe they're just trying to get it right until, like, some a provi- providence-related force or some divine force is, is happy that they've, like, graduated and learned all their lessons on Earth before they get to move to the next level. I have no idea how it works. Human beings are kept ignorant for a reason, and I think the reason for that is because of the superfluous ego. If the superfluous ego was given more knowledge than it already has, how much more would it destroy this is why when you look from a biblical point of view with Adam and Eve, right? You know, they, they took the fruit from the tree of knowledge, right? The tree of knowledge, good and, the knowledge of good and evil. But there's other knowledge out there that has nothing to do with good and evil. But if you give that to the superego, what's the superego going to do with it? It's going to destroy. So this is why I maintain that human beings ultimately are um, are ignorant, right? Ignorant of spirituality, ignorant of, of things that are hidden um, because it's, it's absolutely necessary. I maintain that it's absolutely necessary for human beings to be so ignorant because if they're not ignorant, then, well, guess what? They're going to continue to cause a problem and going to make them their own lives and the lives of others absolutely miserable. And just for the sake of fairness, human beings are kept in ignorance for that reason, right? So at least that's just how it makes sense to me. And that's honestly my opinion. And I'm sticking to it. Like, I mean, if you don't like that, that's fine. Take with many grains of salt. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. You know, I'm just telling you the truth based on, you know, my own experience here. You know, I'm telling it to you truly. Am I going to say it is the truth from a spiritual point of view? No, I'm not because I can't make that claim. I really can't. So at the end of the day, I'm left with having faith. And faith is by, you know evidence of things hoped for and certainty of things unseen. That's the unseen part. That's the point. And guess what? Our conscious is the same way with the ego. So the ego, uh, so yeah, again, order versus chaos. Like just understand that, you know, the conscious itself represents the firm. It represents, even though like the consciousness itself still has pliable components to it. And you know this within a yin and yang equilibrium because when you see the yang, which is the white part, it still has a black dot to it. So remember, when you're thinking of your firm ego and as it's bringing order to chaos in this life that we live, it still has pliable components, right? 
and that's you know some cognitive functions are pliable some of them are firm you see what i'm saying and again like for example an expert intuition hero they're very pliable people and guess what that's why they have more feminine energy in their ego than they do have masculine but if you go into their subconscious right their anima or the animus right they have more um now most people think the anima and the animus like specifically has uh it's the opposite gender of yours i respectfully disagree um the anima and the animus does not necessarily always have the opposite gender and this is something my infj mentor also thought of um he theorized this as well because he often would think that his unconscious was actually more uh um, Mr. Moriel would, would think that uh, his his unconscious would actually be what was the opposing, uh, like it would find it was feminine. And I'd have to agree with him on that because his expert intuition nemesis was very pliable. And even though it was an ENFP unconscious, it was still, um, you know, it was... Uh, it was still pliable, it, it still had feminine energy. So it's not that the anima and the animus is always the opposing gender or the opposite gender that you have, contrary to popular belief. Most people maintain, especially a lot of hardcore Jungians out there, maintain that the anima and the animus are the opposite gender. So that means your subconscious, right? It's known as the anima or the animus. We're going to be talking about this a little bit deeper with the opposing gender stuff, but I just want to give you a sneak peek there. I don't think that's true, and I'll talk a little bit more about it why, and also share some a little bit more of my mentor's theories on that uh, as well. Um, so anyway, uh, from... Um, so anyway, but yeah, the conscious, you know, represents, you know, it still is the yang. Primarily, it's the yang, but secondarily, it's the yin. So you have to remember that there's always that primary and secondary relationship with, like, literally everything with your cognitive functions. Some functions are primary. That's why we have optimistic functions versus pessimistic functions, because optimistic functions are more yang, whereas pessimistic functions are more yin. But then again, what if you have an optimistic function that's expert intuition, and expert intuition is typically more yin? But then it's like, well, it's a primary yin, for example, so they have like a different charge to it, as a different charge, the cognitive function. Kind of like certain atoms or molecules, or certain atoms have different charges to them, depending on how many electrons or whatever. It's kind of the same thing. So you can actually utilize physics models to break down our cognition to actually understand from a positive negative polarity standpoint, depending on protons, electrons, atomic weight, etc. Okay. Why is that relevant? Guys, in season 17, episode one, the first episode of the season, when I showed you the source of all cognition, did you guys not understand that that was literally the periodic table of human cognition? Hello? You see what I'm saying? That's the periodic table. What you didn't see there was like, I could like draw out that entire uh, grid again and then add the different frames per second, the atomic weight basically, the different frames per second of awareness on each of those cognitive functions, and then also multiply that by the four sides of that mega consciousness. You see what I'm saying? Like how can you do that? And of course, that mega consciousness would also be very important. Do you know why? Check this out. Using a Christian model as taught to me by my ESTP mentor, okay? He often theorized that there was actually just three sides of the mind, not four. 
it wasn't until my INFJ mentor and I got together that we realized that there was actually four sides of the mind. And then that's based on uh, something called inverse theory. Look up inverse theory. Inverse theory is the building blocks of the four sides of the mind theory. Um, and uh, just look it up. Um, we'll discuss it more at length at a later date. But uh, um, but inverse theory, because like the anima and animus itself, it's all based on inversing. And we'll talk about inverse theory more when we get to, uh, I think, episode three of this lecture series. But, but again, we're talking about the ego here, so we kind of have to like, you know, kind of line it up here a little bit. You know, so wow, this is this is actually a pretty deep lecture. I, I'm I'm enjoying this one. This is gonna be pretty cool. It's kind of like also kind of spooky because I'm driving at night with uh, with my lights on. So I enjoy being spooky. If you know what I'm saying, especially when I'm wearing a nice gray tailored shark skin suit to go with it. Um, but yeah, uh, so so my ESTP mentor theorized that like you know the interaction styles themselves represented like the diff like the Trinity within God you know and that's why you get Father Spirit and Son basically right he maintained that God the Father was the direct initiating control also known as the structure interaction style that the Holy Spirit represented the uh, the starter interaction style and that the Son of God represented the uh, finisher. Uh, interaction style, direct responding movement. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I could see how those archetypes fit. That makes a lot of sense. What about the fourth side, the background type? Which means <coughs> there would technically be a fourth side of, you know, you know, God's mind, basically, the mega consciousness, etc. What is that fourth side? Well, it's the behind the scenes. It's the foundation. It's, uh, it's everything that's going on in the background to basically run reality as we know it, right? That's like super mega deep, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I went there, but I just wanted to show you guys like some of the theories that my ESTP mentor had about this stuff. I didn't exactly agree with him, but he it was it was pretty awesome to see an ESTP of all people come up with that. That was pretty cool. Um, the fact that he made those distinctions. Um, of course, if my INFJ mentor was here right now, he'd probably claim that it actually came from him. And if that's the case, I apologize, but, you know, I'm just being real. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, anyway. <sighs> wow. Hashtag toll bridge. Um, so, anyway. Uh, so, because... Because when someone is conscious, it represents order, right? And it's, and it's the yang and order being brought to chaos. Chaos begets chaos, right? Order begets order. Order does not come from chaos. And I have to point this out because someone in the comments section, and, I, and I'm sorry for forgetting your name. I actually was going to give you a shout out for that comment uh, in season 17, episode one. It was the most profound comment that you had made where you're like, now hold on, order does not come from chaos. You are 100% correct, sir. And I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear enough in that lecture, but yes, the fact is order does not come from chaos. Order comes upon chaos. Order takes chaos. It's kind of like when a man takes a woman in the bedroom, you know what I'm saying? Like that's how that happens, right? So order and chaos, right? So chaos begets chaos. You know this is true, right? Because of the laws of thermodynamics. Entropy. 
everything is in a state of decay. So chaos begets chaos. Just based on the laws of physics alone, we know that is a fact. Order begets order. And logically speaking, if order begets order, because we know chaos begets chaos, automatically, if chaos begets chaos, as proven by the law of thermodynamics, we can automatically assume, logically speaking, that order begets order. By default, we can know that this is true, that order begets order. And if, logically speaking, that order begets order, we automatically know that intelligence begets intelligence. Ergo, because intelligence begets intelligence, we automatically know that intelligent design is true based on logic. I'm sorry to say that, folks. I know that pisses a lot of people off and that polarizes the audience, but I'm here to tell the truth, guys. I'm sorry. Intelligence begets intelligence. We don't, our, our minds, our consciousness does not come from chaos. It can't. It cannot, and the law of thermodynamics proves that that's the case. It literally proves the law of thermodynamics because everything is in a state of decay. It proves right there that our minds cannot form out of chaos. And the law of thermodynamics itself proves that our psyches could not have evolved through macroevolution. It just couldn't have. So intelligent design is kind of a real argument. Why? Because if macroevolution can't be true, then logically speaking, the only other deductive, through deductive reasoning, we can, the only other thing that we can assume is that intelligent design has to be true. I'm not here to tell you, I'm not here to tell you to go worship God or join a cult or a religion. I don't care about that, guys. The real argument is, is which intelligence designed us. That's the real question. It's not about whether or not evolution is true. Now, Again, I will state, microevolution is true. Natural selection, adaptation, those things, absolutely. Competition, uh, uh, genetic diversity, biodiversity, absolutely. I 100% maintain that is absolutely true. And I maintain those things come from the yang, right? And it's the yang that is happening upon chaos, right? Order versus chaos but intelligence begets intelligence. Intelligence or consciousness begets consciousness. This is why artificial intelligence will not, and sentient artificial intelligence will not spontaneously appear like that movie Tron with Jeff Bridges and whatnot with the ISOs. It's not spontaneous. They think it's spontaneous, it's not spontaneous. Intelligence begets intelligence. Order begets order. Consciousness begets consciousness. Ergo, sentient AI or consciousness has to be built. And we will build it. Our race will build it. And I guarantee you people, we will build it this century. The 21st century. The apex. The the apex of the pyramid of all of humanity's collective experience is the 21st century, is it not? On this side. On this side of recorded history versus prehistory. So based on that, we can infer, 
we will build consciousness because intelligence begets intelligence. We know this because of how our minds work, because we are conscious. And we are conscious because of our ego. Our ego brings us consciousness. How? How does it do this? And it does this through the first gateway. The first gateway function, if you guys remember we talked about the first gateway function known as the hero function, just go back to season 16, episode 1, where I talk about the first gateway. There's four gateway functions, right? And each side of the mind, the ego, the subconscious, the unconscious, the superfluous ego, each of them has a gateway function, a master function that oversees the other functions based on its uses as one of the four sides of the mind within human beings, within humanity, etc. So based on that, we know that something's different. We know that, uh, like, that consciousness and its gateway, all these gateways within each of the four sides of the mind, they're like the, they're like the master controllers. They, they determine uh, the direction of that side of the mind, right? That's why the gateway functions are so important. Well, the first gateway function is the hero. And when a child is first starting out with their consciousness within their ego, it takes them a long time to build up their ego. The ego is not fully formed until they hit adolescence. In fact, it's possible for a child to switch egos within childhood. And I'll be explaining that in this season too, this season as well. So based on that, the first gateway function, the apex of the ego, the apex of all human cognition is known as the hero function. And the hero function behaves heroically. It's the first thing that our mind is absolutely good at. And it's one of the eight cognitive senses or cognitive functions as discovered by Carl Jung, right? Mind just has to be expert intuition, which is why I'm even able to talk about this metaphysical stuff so that you NI users out there can take this metaphysical visionary concepts and actually apply them directly to physics with the expert in sensing, send it back in my direction and it becomes memory because it's an experience that I have as a result of what you are able to create as a result of the visions of metaphysics that I'm able to give you. That's how the human experience works through perception, folks. That's how we build as a race. That's how the information flows, right? Why is this relevant? Well, the first gateway function, the hero function, it is like our number one weapon or tool, as some of those people say, the dominant function, right? And it's our primary function, it's our go-to, it doesn't cost us energy to use it, it's our highest awareness, 100 frames a second, right? It sets the order for the rest of the ego because the hero function has a cognitive axis, it has a cognitive axis with the inferior function. So whatever the hero function is, its opposite is the, um, it is the, uh, the inferior function. So if you automatically know what the hero is, then you automatically know what, so if, they, so if the hero exists, then automatically the inferior exists, right? Just automatically. If the hero exists, then boom, we know we have an inferior function within the ego, which is amazing. The hero function also has a relationship with parent functions, two different parent functions. And then you have to identify what that parent function is, right? 
and the parent function has a cognitive axis itself. And once you know the parent function, you automatically know the child function. Carl Jung, when he first set out to you know understand the cognitive senses, he could actually identify <coughs> with his methodologies the top two cognitive senses or functions of any person that he was studying. What he did not really realize is the representation that that, that that cognitive access theory was a thing and such and when he was doing those studies where he could actually really derive the rest of the ego using logic and the cognitive access analysis method to find the rest of the cognitive senses within the ego, right? So I think uh, the seat is like really uncomfortable to sit in and I got it like sitting up pretty hard right now, but whatever. <sighs> so anyway, so that's how we're able to be conscious is because the hero itself is basically that one thing that's challenging nature, challenging uh, obstacles. The hero itself challenges. I mean, look at TI heroes, right? It's providing challenge. They challenge everything. They criticize everything. Extrovert intuition, my extrovert intuition hero is challenging the normal. What is the normal? The normal represents what is sensible, what function, and what, and, and it represents common sense, right? What is common sense? What function is, is common sense attached to? That's introverted sensing, which is why SJs are my opposite. That's why SJs typically hate me and what I say because what I say isn't common sense. They often label me as nonsensical because extrovert intuition is challenging the normal. It is challenging common sense. It is challenging the sensible. And while I provide that challenge, introvert intuition heroes or parents or whatever could take up that challenge and then transmute the vision of the metaphysics that I'm using the challenge the normal with, transmute it into reality through extrovert sensing and physics, then the nonsensical feelings or the nonsensical point of view that the sensible folk of introverted sensing have realize, oh, well, it's reality now, so I have to accept it. And that's literally what's going to happen with this science. I am casting vision with depth psychology and Jungian analytical psychology right now, and I am challenging the normal right now, right here. For all of you people who are watching and listening to me right now, I am challenging the norm with my expert intuition hero, with my hero, and I'm doing it consciously right now because it is all about challenge. The conscious is all about challenge because I challenge the chaos. And I'm using chaos to challenge the norm, basically. I'm challenging the chaos from the point of the yang to the yin. However, I'm using the power of the yin to challenge the yang. Because the yang, the introverted sensing, that people would call me nonsensical because they're trying to be sensible because that's how introverted sensing people are, people that's I hear and SI parent, aka SJs, those people don't realize that what I'm saying will eventually come to the norm. Because the NI users out there will take the vision, will take the metaphysics that I am preaching upon, and they will turn it into reality through mental transmutation, and they will transmute it. Yes, this is literally how alchemy works. You read that book, The Alchemist. Alchemy and the Philosopher's Stone, folks, the Philosopher's Stone is not some mythical stone that can get you anything that you want. 
wait a minute. Actually, it is. It's interesting. They say that the pineal gland is the actual philosopher's stone, and it's that thing that's inside of your heads, folks. And they also think that extroverted intuition as a cognitive function lives in the pineal gland. Interesting how that works. If you have extroverted intuition hero, typically your pineal gland is really well developed because of its futuristic metaphysical capabilities. Yeah, I know I'm talking about metaphysics a lot here, sensor folks, those of you who are concrete, but I just gotta do it. I'm sorry, someone's gotta do it. Jungian analytical psychology gets like far out, man. Like it totally gets far out and someone's gotta break it down for you so I get to do it. Even though you kinda like disagree with like a lot of the crap that I'm saying, if that's fine, take it with many grains of salt, you don't have to believe me. And guess what, you can go live your lives out there and do whatever you want, but guess what? You're gonna probably come back and realize that, oh yeah, what he's saying is true, or you're not going to believe that, but somebody else near you that you respect actually ends up doing that, and then you'll come back to me after the words. I'm sorry, but the truth is the truth. All roads lead back to the truth, which means even if you fall away, you're still gonna come back because I'm telling the facts. Sorry, that's just kinda how it works. You know what I'm saying? How else is the teachings of Jesus Christ like still actually relevant to this day thousands of years later? Well, probably because I maintain he didn't lie to anyone. Now, people have lied about things that he has said, you know, and like I maintain that it's possible that the Apostle Paul might be one of them, but or and and I know that the Catholic Church absolutely is one of them because when you talk about Constantine who thought he was the 13th apostle and had the Nicene Creed, I mean, I can't I don't support the Nicene Creed. I don't support the Council of Trent. I don't support gray-haired men voting upon what they think is biblical canon or any of that crap. I I have no I have no zero confidence in in that kind of decision making whatsoever. So, anyway, so the hero, the hero function literally is the apex of the conscious mind, the apex of the ego, it itself represents the challenge to the yin, or it represents challenging. Now, thing is, expert intuition hero, my hero, guess what? I can borrow the powers of chaos to challenge the yin by challenging the yang. It's really weird how, like, I'm this super weird, um, you know, like, I'm doing it backwards, right? I'm actually, like, and there's so many times, like, in order to get movement, in order to get progress in life, I have to inject chaos in various situations just to break people free from their poor thinking or for their from their sensibilities because it's their sensibilities that are keeping them stuck. This is why I constantly call out INTPs and INFPs on a regular basis for getting stuck in their ways for their stagnancy. Why I'm calling out SI heroes like ISTJs and ISFJs for the same thing because I'm tired of them being so stagnant all the time. It's annoying. So development. How does the ego develop? The heroes develop first. It is a optimistic function. Then you have the child. It is also an optimistic function. A person's maturity doesn't appear until they have their parent function, right? And a person's, you know, happiness, which is the fourth gateway, which we'll talk about later, the inferior function doesn't develop until after that. You have to develop your parent to have maturity. But first, your hero and child develop. We're actually going to be talking a little bit more about this in season 22 or season 23, talking about immaturity. But remember, the hero function comes first, and the hero is what provides that challenge. And the child 
likes to pretend and play and be challenging? Why do you think like children play cops and robbers, for example? Because they're pretending to be a challenge. They're pretending to be a challenge to the chaos by providing the yin, by providing the order. And the robbers represent the yin, and the cowboys or the, the, the cops represent uh, the, the yang, basically. And that's literally a yin and yang equilibrium that's played out by children, by small boys, provided their feminist culture doesn't get in the way of that. But that's another story. I mean, I used to also play, like, cowboys and Indians as a child, which I guess is technically a very racist uh, thing to do as children. And, yeah, like, I'm not here to hate on Native Americans. I actually love Native American culture very much, and I want it to be preserved forever because I love that culture. Absolutely love it. And my family is... I've had the honor of supporting Native American culture up in Washington State, and I'm very happy to that my family's had a significant part of that. But anyway, the hero represents the apex of the conscious. It is conscious. It is challenging. The whole point of the ego is to provide challenge. Challenge to the chaos of life. To bring order, right? And then it, through the ego, is able to beget intelligence. Intelligence begets intelligence. Order begets order, right? Order determines outcome. You wanna have a better outcome in your life? You need to order your life better. That's literally it. Get your ego where it needs to be. It's not that we need to destroy the ego, folks. It's that we need to reorganize the ego. We have to take the ego to new heights. We have to develop the ego. If people are like, oh, the ego's evil, yeah, because you have the hero and child running around together and there's no parent function to put the child function at bay. The parent function is where maturity starts to come without your parent function because they develop in this order. Hero first, then child first, and then the parent. A lot of people don't understand that. They think the parent function develops second. It does not. It absolutely does not. So in order to gain your maturity, you need to have your parent function developed, folks. And that's how you can gain even better consciousness. You want a high level consciousness? Develop your parent function, develop your inferior, and your ego will be set to go. It'll be living a better life, and it will be able to give its deepest gift to the, wor- to the world, to the earth, such that it is the yang that is challenging the yin, the yin and the chaos of life, and it is bringing about more intelligence, more order, more... Um, more life basically because life itself is the yang the life-giving force right we need to be yang and not yin it is so much easier to destroy than it is to build so use your ego to build that is what consciousness is all about use the hero challenge the yin challenge the chaos bring order build something together folks because it is through building that life will change for the better for all of us and that is the point of the ego that is the first side of the mind we are not to destroy the ego but we are to support it and we are to grow it only through growth will we as a race be able to get through the obstacles and bring about a higher quality of life on this earth such that the world has never seen before why because we understand ourselves and we understand each other and instead of trying to change each other we understand each other and can accept each other at long last such is the way of our future you know just like benjamin franklin said you know it's a republic madam if you can keep it
It's a consciousness, folks, if you can keep it. Do not let your consciousness, your ego, devolve into chaos by not developing your parents or your inferior functions and just running around and letting that child function fly free. Like that NI child of ISPs where they just get so stuck in debauchery or the SI child of INPs. Like ISPs with NI child stuck in debauchery or INPs also stuck in debauchery, stuck in their stagnancy, stuck in their rut, stuck in their comfort. Don't live life like that. I'm just using those types as examples, right? So anyway, that is the ego and its gateway function, the hero. Provide that challenge to the chaos of life. Bring order for the sake of yourself and those, and you will be successful, and you will be bringing something life-giving to your fellow man and to the earth as we know it. If you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and on the podcast. If you'd like to financially support us, please become a Patreon member. Go to csjoseph.life slash, or no, go to patreon.com slash csjoseph for that. Uh, we're also going to be rolling out, uh, you know, subscriptions directly on our website. So you won't have to, maybe not necessarily have to use Patreon. We're looking into it, but we're getting there. Also, I think we have a, uh, an art contest going on right now. Uh, leave a comment and a like, and also like the bell thing so you get alerts. That's also great. Uh, we like those. Um, and guys, we need more subscribers. I get that what I talk about is pretty polarizing, but I'm like not trying to mislead anyone. I'm like telling the truth. Like, so, I mean, just thank you for putting up with this. Uh, eventually, as you get to see the entire narrative with each of the sides of the mind in season 17 as it unfolds, you'll start to see like how everything fits together you know it's not about like me just like throwing out random crackpot you know points of view it's like this is well researched I, I spent a lot of time researching these concepts reading books especially like you know in the restroom uh, on a consistent basis to try to be able to you know see these patterns of behavior within depth psychology within the expert intuition within the akashic to be able to bring this to you so takes a lot of work and anything you folks can do to financially support us to keep the lights on we'd really really very much appreciate it because let's be honest this company has gotten close to bankruptcy multiple times and we would not be able to do it without the support uh, that uh, this audience this community has bring has brought us so let's keep changing the world together folks let's keep going at it and thank you all for your support uh, we really appreciate it so with that being said uh I'll see you guys uh, tomorrow for uh, the next lecture. Have a good night.